Hey, my name is Russ, and you're listening to the Russ Rants Podcast. It's a show about a lot of nothing, and yet a whole lot of something at the same time. It could be about what generally infuriates me, current events, or just whatever comes to the top of my head. Either way, I am excited that you're here with us, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Let's get on to the rant. Well, hello again. Yeah, I think I say something along those lines every single time, but hello again. It's been a two-week break, and that's okay. Breaks are an okay thing in between. Um, I'll be real with you, because some of you guys asked about it. Uh, Yes, last week, um, there were (laughs) non-inappropriate evening activities that drew my attention away from the podcast, i.e. We the North, i.e. the Toronto Raptors 2019 NBA Champions. Sorry if you're other NBA team fans, but I've been a Toronto Raptor fan since 2010. It's not that long ago. I get it. But at the same time, it's it's a good time to be alive. I, I've loved the Raptors. I'm so stoked that they won. That's uh, That's the reason why is, you know, I tried to sneak it in, but we had other things in between the game nights and I could not sneak in a podcast episode. Uh, so I'm sorry. But it's really good to be back. I'm so stoked. And I got to say something. I've, I've been reminding myself to say something um, as soon as I start this podcast. And I want you to listen to me. Okay? I want you to listen for a moment. Thank you. Seriously. From the bottom of my heart, as legitimate and authentic as I can mean it, thank you for listening to the Russ Rants podcast. Thank you for your feedback. Thank you for your encouragement. Thank you for your ideas. Thank you for even just letting me know, hey, you know, I I heard your podcast the other day. It was really insightful. Or, hey, man, I just started listening to it. I posted something on my Instagram story of of a good friend of mine. We grew up together out of the blue, just messaging me, say, hey, I, you know, I've started listening to your podcast. That seriously means the world to me. Do I do it? This podcast started as just something to push myself. And it's, yeah, you might argue, well, is it that hard? You kind of talk to yourself or you talk to some guests about stuff um, for, you know, 40 to 60 minutes at a time. And then you produce it. Is it really that difficult? I did this for me because I wanted to contribute value. What little influence I have to anyone who's out there willing to listen or be more more importantly, because I've said this before about the Russ Rants podcast, I want it to be a conversation. Not just the influence I can be to other people, but people who can be a part of the conversation, who can contribute with me and I contribute with you. That is what this is all about. So seriously, thank you from the bottom of my heart. It it just it, it I'm stoked. I it makes me super excited to just know that some people are enjoying it. Today I am flying solo. You guys have been spoiled. Two weeks in a row, we had back to back guests. Of course, uh, first off, uh, three weeks ago now. We had the Mr. Dustin Williamson, lead ukulele player of Brave Balloons, also a game developer at EA. Just an excellent um, insight into, you know, his life, his life's work, uh, how he got there, and, you know, work-life balance is what we talked about. If you haven't heard that podcast yet, I encourage you to go on to any podcast platform We're available on Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, um, Uh, Spotify and you know look it up that was a great one and then two weeks ago my youngest brother I was so thankful he was willing to come on board I actually deleted our first recording of our episode together he graciously accepted to come back and we had a great talk about change and passion versus duty passion versus um, paying the bills for lack of a better term and how maybe he argued maybe you actually need both It's not good to just have one big piece of cake and have your piece of cake and eat it too. Maybe you need two cakes to fulfill the ultimate satisfaction. So I thought that was really cool. Hope you guys enjoyed that. I certainly did. Today, I want to tell you a story. I'm going to jump right into it here. I want to tell you a little bit of a story about me and about my personality because I wanted to talk about, again, if you follow me on Instagram or Twitter, Um, I, I brought up the question earlier today on my story feed asking, you know, what scenarios in your life have you taken things too personally or been too businesslike about it? And it, it was, it should have been the opposite response. And I want to talk about that today because I was reminded of a very humble scenario I went through a few years ago. We'll get to that. 
but I want to give you the lead-up story, okay? So I'm going to be brief. I wanted to always be a teacher or a social worker. You guys already know my story about working in a group home and getting punched in the face. Again, if you haven't heard that episode, dive back a bit. You'll see it on any major podcast platform. It's called Getting Punched at a Group Home um, about my endeavors pursuing social work. But always wanted those two things. When those two careers did not work out, I needed to call an audible as soon as possible because my wife and I were trying to get our first apartment together and that depended on us both having two jobs. So when we moved to Calgary, we had no plan. We were coming off the high of our lives and there's a point to this, so bear with me, but we were coming off the high of our lives. We had our honeymoon all summer. We had enough funds to take the summer off, which was just marvelous. Like it was so good. We were nomads camping and staying hotels the entire summer. It was just a blast. Okay. But then we hit reality hardcore come September, end of August, uh, beginning of September, we needed a place to stay. Some friends, well, actually more friends of our friends, I guess, acquaintances, um, had a house that they were trying to sell. Uh, A loved one had passed away. The assets were frozen while the will was being, um, you know, read and, and taken care of by lawyers. So they needed someone to caretake for the house. We did that for three months. It was great. But as that three months was approaching, we used that three months to try to find jobs. That's where the whole social work thing happened for me. But Pola, my beautiful wife, uh, my <laughs> she's also a very faithful worker. She just does any job and does it amazingly. She didn't care what job she wanted. I've always had that imbalance of I want my passion to be in my job, which isn't a bad thing. We've gone over that. But at the same time, I always wanted my job to be so impactful. I wasn't willing to just take the first job that came to me and do it well. Enter Pola, who's the exact opposite, where she's like, nah, just give me a job that pays me well. I just want to pay the bills. And so she found a job right away. It took me a while before I got my social work float shift worker gig. So she got a job at a uniform store. It was a temp. She did a temp agency interview for a bit. And uh, she got this job at this retail store. Lasted three-week contract, made some money. Then she got put in a really cool job uh, for this really big window and door company. It sounds boring, but she did a really good job. So she was making money, and we saw this beautiful apartment that we wanted to apply for. The problem was when we applied, we applied using Just Pull's income because I had recently just quit from my group home job. Are you tracking with me so far? Okay, perfect. And so Pola and I got this letter saying there's not enough income. You, you need to, you're barely below the mandatory minimum threshold of income to justify giving you this apartment. We will put it on hold for you for one week. Uh, and if you can prove to us that you have another job lined up or you have more income coming in steadily, we'll give you the apartment. Well, I was desperate. I went into the malls. At that point, I didn't care. Now the switch clicked, right? Where I'm like, okay, right. I'm just going to take any job. I've been too picky. So I went into the malls, handed out, you know, 50 plus resumes. No one hired me. I'm serious. No one hired me. No one gave me uh, anything at all. I, I I got some really good talks with managers, but they're all like, yeah, man, sorry, we just hired someone. Or yeah, sorry, dude, we just hired someone and we're not hiring. And so every door was shut. Well, my buddy comes up and visits me and I start telling him my frustration of not getting this job and how I need to get this apartment and I'm hurting for work. Well, he's like, dude, I, I work at this retail store called, uh, <laughs> people know this, so I, I don't think it's a problem saying the name. I work at this store called Bootlegger. I'm like, oh, snap, okay. Uh, he said, I'm, I'm the assistant manager in my city, and uh, I know the regional manager, the, the, the provincial regional manager that also covers Calgary. And uh, I think I could get you a job. And I'm like, dude, absolutely. Hook me up. I don't care what it is. I just need a little bit. Because in my mind, I'm like, I don't care how little I make. I understand that you retail people out there fighting the fight. Good for you. I salute you. But, you know, you don't make a lot. And so, <laughs> and so I knew that. I, I was like, I don't care right now how much I make. I just need to get over that threshold to get the apartment. So... Sure enough, man, he he texted the regional manager, explained who I was. I was a good friend of his. I'm a good guy. Oh, gee, thanks. And uh, she texts him back saying, yeah, get him to send his resume because we got to go through standard protocol. But I am looking for someone in Chinook Mall. And if you've gone or ever heard of uh, Chinook Mall in Calgary, it, besides um, Cross Iron Mills outside of Calgary, it's the biggest mall in, in Calgary. Uh, very busy. And uh, they were looking for some shift leaders. All right. This is where the leadership stuff comes in 
and uh, and the whole topic of this podcast comes into play. So I got hired. They, I did the interview. They really liked me. They said, you got the job. Here's your pay. And she even gave me, before I worked my first shift, the regional uh, manager gave a written letter and signed it saying that I was guaranteed work. I was going to start work in November, blah. Give me the apartment. And I did. We got the apartment. It was one of our favorite places to live of all time. So awesome. It was great. Okay. Then the work began. I am folding jeans. Have I mentioned that I do not enjoy retail? No? Well, let me enlighten you. I don't enjoy retail at all. I sal- Like I said, I salute you guys out there who fold clothes daily, who have to deal with crappy customers all the time, and you get you don't get paid what you're worth sometimes. I get it, though. The industry relies on not paying you tons, but you, you, you know... I'm, I'm, I think I'm, I'm digging a bigger hole for myself. I'm just saying I understand, but I do not. I hate it. I hate retail. Okay? So they did my training. I had to learn about jeans. Frick, guys. I shop at Value Village. I am a, yeah, I may look like a hipster. Most of my wardrobe is worth like five bucks an item or less. Okay? I'm not joking. I'm, I'm a frugal dude. So they're enlightening me on this this type of faded jean and the tears here are making it extra valuable. And this is the denim. If it's lighter denim, this is what happens. So if it's darker denim, this is how it fits. I had to go through curvy buttocks jean training. I kid you not, I learned what jeans fit what body type of women. I don't even know if my wife knows this. That's how, that's how personal this is getting. Yes, I had to go through training to discover how jeans fit people. Okay, I do not care, but I did. I had to care because I needed this job. I wanted this apartment. So I'm going through this training and I'm finishing. And now uh, the months went by, I got the hang of it. And then as they hired me to be a shift leader, my training was over. They explained to me, Russ, you're now going to be in charge of crews of two or three people under you. So crews of, you know, three to four people at a time doing the shift. You got to make sure they're doing their daily tasks. You got to make sure they're selling. You got to make sure you're encouraging, you know, ownership and keeping attitudes in check, blah, 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 blah. Okay. Anyone that's been in charge of anything, I don't care if it's McDonald's to a freaking big business company. It's just, it's the same gig. It's just the, the payroll that changes. Okay, I'm serious. You, you're in charge of people. You got to make sure goals are met. Okay. So I was doing pretty good. I was a pretty agreeable leader. I'm pretty likable. You know, no one had really a problem with me. Um, I, I tried to, but, but here's the thing. In my head, I'm my own worst enemy. Okay, Hala, if you are your own worst critic, I am the hardest critic on myself. So I took it way too seriously. When they told me, you're going to be the shift leader, and you, you got to make sure these goals are met, and you hold people accountable, I almost got too rigid, for lack of a better term. I was just, I was an a-hole-ish. And I kind of turned it on and off, and I tried to boast this big bravado persona of, hey, get, up, get back to folding your station, or hey, help them, or whatever. But more often than not, I found myself defaulting to the, hey, Brittany, hey, Brittany, hey. She's been waiting there for a bit. Can you come help, please? Yep, thank you. And like, I just, I, I want, I wanted in my brain. I would beat myself up after shifts, being like, "Oh, you weren't hard enough. You weren't hard enough on your staff teammates. That they, they, you, they slacked off, or now you're going to get reported to by the manager." I this obviously none of that happened. Everyone loved me, and I, I did a really good job. But like, seriously, that's what going going on in my head. Okay, so months go by. And we had one staff member that I was paired with often. We were actually hired at the same time, both as shift leaders. I don't know what went on. We had a manager. She was amazing. Still love you to this day. You know who you are. And then we had an assistant manager. Still love you to this day. You know who you are. Amazing women. They were such great leaders, and they really pushed me. And then there was a shift leaders. There was like two or three, okay? And so one was an existing shift leader, and she only worked like Thursdays. And then this other woman and I were hired as shift leaders, okay, to fill in the rest of the gaps. Okay, you get it. Convoluted, whatever. And for some reason, this other shift leader, we're going to call her Brianna. Okay. Yeah, that sounds like a specific name. It's not. It's just we're going to call her Brianna because I can remember that. Okay. So Brianna had a really tough time getting along with the assistant manager who in the retail business, there is a hierarchy and there's not a lot of budging unless someone gets a blatant foul and gets fired. Like it's hard to butt heads with management in a small little retail store 
with little pull. You have no leverage as a staff member or a shift, shift leader. You have nothing, okay? So for some reason, they didn't see eye to eye. The problem was the assistant manager had very high standards. She was very likable, but she had very high standards. She was a woman of excellence. She held me accountable. And my personality type is like, oh, yes, ma'am. You know, like, I'll get it done. I, again, I'm my own worst critic, so I want to do the best I can all the time. Even if it's the stupidest thing, like trying to fold jeans. Frick, guys, I tried my hardest to master stupid gene folding techniques. Pause really quick. You guys are like, why, why is this story going? I don't get it. This has nothing to do with the topic. We'll get there, okay? So I, I tried to perfect these, these, these stupid things, and the assistant manager liked that. She liked that I could, uh, I was obviously, I was visibly pushing myself. She liked that I was visibly trying to perfect my craft. I was trying to be a better leader. They would give me books. I would read them, okay? I was the perfect student in the retail world, okay? And then Brianna was way more chill than I was. I was like high energy, high, I don't know, loyalty, whatever. She was just like, eh. you know, like when I, I would leave, she would take over and she was chill. Like, hey, just so you know, here's the to-do list. This is what the tasks were at the beginning of the day. Now you're taking over the evening shift. This is what you still have to get on. And she said, yeah, sure, no problem. We'll get it done, I'm sure. And I would leave and I'm like, okay, you know, I hope the store looks good because I'm opening tomorrow. And So anyways, months went by wasn't in favor at all with the assistant manager. The assistant manager consistently noticed that this Brianna girl was slacking. Now, that was not my opinion. That was, you know, the assistant manager and the manager felt that they had hired a shift leader and Brianna was not up to their standards, okay? So she actually got demoted. They didn't fire her because they couldn't. There was no real cause. She was doing her job decent, I guess. But she they, she did get demoted. She was just a staff member, okay? So she actually took a pay cut, stuck around still because she said she needed that job, okay? And I believe her. So I'm the shift leader. The only other shift leader works Thursdays. So who was in charge of Brianna the majority of the time? Yeah, the manager and assistant manager worked. But whenever they didn't, I was in charge, Okay. And talk about, like, a quick rise to power. I'm being facetious here, obviously. But, like, seriously, after a few months, I would, I was in charge of teams all the time. I, I rarely had the manager or the assistant manager working with me um, on some of the shifts. And so this stressed me out because Brianna was not always the easiest to try to confront. Okay, again, back to the bravado thing. I tried my best to have the demeanor of someone with authority. But I am a soft teddy bear who hates hurting people's feelings. Okay, the only reason I sound like a D-bag sometimes in this podcast is because I'm by myself and I can have tood. But if I'm out in person, you know me to be a pretty agreeable person, okay? And so finally, the straw broke the camel's back. And the assistant manager, one day, I can remember it very clearly, but the straw broke the camel's back, camel's back and the assistant manager was like, I got to fire her or I got to write her up. Three strikes, you're out. Like, this is ridiculous. And I was like, what? What was it? So here's, here's a quick scenario, okay? We opened. Assistant manager, me, shift leader, but I got a good shift Friday morning or whatever it was. And then Brianna. So three of us. We were three full-time staff members opening on a Friday or Thursday morning, okay? Good stuff. A good shift. I was just folding clothes. They, they, you know, how it works in the retail world is they get new stock orders often. And then they would, they would deliver the boxes to the back storeroom. And then they had a map or like a printout of where in the store, what old clothes that were hanging had to be taken down. And then the new clothes had to take its place. Doesn't matter. Does it sound boring? Doesn't interest me either. Good thing I got paid for it. So anyways... I just took a box of like these green ugly t-shirts or whatever and I was folding it. I'm not knocking bootlegger. I think I'm knocking them too much. If that's your cup of tea, awesome. But it just, it wasn't my, it wasn't my fashion all the time. Okay. So I'm folding these clothes in one side of the store. The assistant manager is at the back working the till and she's doing her own stock folding and getting stuff ready. And then there's Brianna on the other side of the front of the store. So her and I are talking, but I'm also folding. Every time a customer would come in, either one of us would greet. Things were going normal, I felt. I felt that. But I guess Brianna didn't say hi fast enough or something or she didn't, I don't know. She just wasn't working fast enough. I don't know. Because I wasn't even the best folder and I was getting stuff done. So finally, you know, the assistant manager calls me over. She says, Russ, come here, come here. And so Brianna's watching the front of the store, calls me over, pulls me into the back staff room. So I'm like, oh gosh, like something serious. I hope everyone's okay. What's going on? And so she sits me down. She's like, this is a teaching moment. And I'm, I say, okay, it's a teaching moment. Sure, what's up? 
I need you to write Brianna up. What? And like my heart started racing. The anxiety started kicking in. I'm like, what? What are you talking about? And she's like, I need you. I need you to write her up. She's not working fast enough. I've told her several times to to get faster, like to be sharper, be a little bit more active. We got stuff to do. And I just feel like I, it's just slugging through mud. And she's just, she's not hearing me. I think she's going to listen to you because she likes you. I'm like, well then, frick, that's not my fault she likes me. Maybe it's because I'm not writing her all the time. And like, I I didn't agree to the point where I wanted to write up Brianna. I don't know now, again, if that was because I was taking it too personally and I didn't want to hurt her feelings or if legitimately, in my opinion, I feel like the assistant manager had a bias. I don't know, but I didn't feel like it was writing up worthy, okay? Anyways, she said, I want you to be a good leader. I know this is an area of weakness that you've admitted. It's true. I did. I'm pretty. You can read me like a book. I wear my heart in my sleeve, and I explain to people that I struggle with assertiveness, okay? She said, I want you to be assertive. I want you to call her, take her to the back, sit her down, and explain to her you're writing her up. Well, I'm sure... No one told me, but I'm sure I was pale. My heart was racing, and I'm like, I don't freaking get paid enough for this. This is bullcrap. I was angry, scared. I was scangry. I'm trying to think of, like, scared with angry. That's hard. So scangry is what we're going with, okay? Um, Not the other way around. So I'm scangry. So I get out there, and... Clear as day, I walk, and it felt like my legs were like rubber. I'm, I'm not, I'm, yeah, I'm being overly dramatic, but I was seriously nervous, guys. I'm a young, newly married guy. I don't want to tell my friend that I'm writing them up. So I say, Brianna, I need you to come with me. So I tried on this bravado. Brianna, I need you to come with me. Take her to the back room. Sit her down. <laughs> guys, it was the worst freaking speech ever. It was like, so um, you haven't been, <laughs> you haven't been carrying your weight pulling your weight around here lately, Brianna. And I'm trying to sound convincing. Like, I really know what I'm writing her up for. I have no idea. Uh, You're not responsive. You're not teachable, blah, blah, blah. I'm trying. And she's looking at me, and this is cutting her. I know it is. Um, She was a bit emotional, but at the same time, the assistant manager had been writing her for, like, up to a month or two at this time. So I think it had worn her down a bit, okay? And so as I'm telling her, I'm watching her face and her head drop, and she's slowly, I hear quiet sobs. Like her shoulders are straight, but then she's like not really crying, but she's like clearly like heaving a little bit. So I'm like, I need to write you up. I need you to sign this piece of paper saying I'd written you up, and I'm going to sign it and uh, get back to work. I I died inside. I was like, I feel like an a-hole. This isn't worth it. What is this all about? And so Brianna leaves, I leave. Later, Brianna left the shift. Uh, She left earlier than us just because she had a shorter shift or something. And then the assistant manager pulls me aside. She said, how did it go? How do you feel? And I'm like, honestly, I feel really bad, I said. I don't don't feel like I I was convincing. I don't feel like I had a good reason. She's like, you had a good reason. You just didn't feel good about telling her you had a good reason. I said, well, I don't know. Like, I kind of felt like it was coming from you, but you wanted me to do it. And she's like, no, Russ, you've seen her like I have. Uh, she hasn't been pulling her weight. This needs to happen. So anyways, that was the, the short story, okay? Now we need you to fast forward. So again, bear with me, okay? Bear with me. Years later, years later, I'm no longer in retail, okay? I left that job, other jobs. I'm in the insurance industry now. You guys have heard me talk about this. I have worked in the insurance industry. I had worked in the insurance industry for about five years and then switched careers um, a little while ago. I am now newly appointed. I was living in Regina at the time, and I got a, I got a promotion. They, my, my boss was opening another agency, and he wanted me to be the, the agency manager. It was a very big opportunity, very, very, um, you know, there, there was a lot of responsibilities to it, and I felt like that was it. So we actually moved from Regina back to Calgary for this job, okay? I inherited a team of a guy that had been hired about eight months earlier, um, and um, he wasn't a bad guy, uh, but he was hired to be sales, and quickly within months, I had moved to Regina, but he was getting trained in the other agency. We quickly determined he was not sales material, but he had gone through all the licensing and the fees and the training that to launch this new agency, we needed him to fill a seat, essentially, okay? And then I had another staff member. I've talked about her before. I love her to death. Um, uh, you've heard her before. So anyways, I got these two staff members. So I don't have a big team, but I'm in charge again, right? The shift leader mode is kicking in. 
And I'm like, you bet, I, I can do this. So, you know, I've got my big office and I've got my two team members. She's handling billing and, and calling people to update records. And he's trying to sell, I guess. So I got a guy and a girl in my office. So we launched in April. Okay. My first day in the office as manager was April. My boss was a great coach. He's walking with me every step of the way, making sure he's a resource every time he needs me. Excellent boss. Still is. Excellent guy. We're still friends. This guy, my sales staff member, not cutting it. He's not, I I don't know. We kind of quickly noticed his phone demeanor was very unlively. He wasn't convincing. He he didn't really fight for the sale. Okay, we're all about the fighting for the sale. It was the same one in bootlegger, actually, is a lot of people got in trouble because they weren't trying to upsell. We called it toss the belt over. So whenever people go into a change room at bootlegger, yes, I'm switching back to the bootlegger job really quickly. If you took a jean, pair of jeans with you or a shirt, we as staff were encouraged to just just overcome our fear of people and just hang a belt over and say, hey, try this on with the jeans, see if you like it. Because the idea was to upsell, to add more products, to never be done selling. Don't be satisfied with what the customer at first wants. Build on that, okay? He wasn't getting it. My new staff member in this new office, my new job uh, as an agency manager was not getting it, okay? And we had to call. We inherited this book of business from this retired agent, okay? And we had to call people to welcome them to our agency to keep them from switching to another agent. It was a very good retention thing. It was to welcome them, say, hey, I'm Russ. I'm your new agency manager. want to let you know we're going to take care of you. So these were very important calls, and there were a lot of phone calls to do, okay? And... We, it was so tedious, so monotonous, but it was very important. I knew that if we didn't call some of the families, they would eventually just be sad that their other agent had retired. They didn't know who we were and they wanted to leave just because they were uncomfortable. People don't like change, okay? So my boss, again, I'm sensing a pattern, was starting to get more and more agitated at the demeanor my staff member was not accommodating the phone calls. He wasn't being very convincing. He wasn't, he was being a little welcoming, but he wanted to get off the phone as quickly as possible because he wanted to get it over with. Whereas I really tried to milk the conversation, learn about them, give them a real personal experience. I wasn't perfect. Okay. I didn't do that every time, but I tried. So anyways, we finally had to call him out on it. We had these things called morning meetings, still a very powerful tool. I encourage anyone, the four pillars of execution, powerful, powerful principle, morning meetings, very crucial to what we did in our business. Okay. So we'd have these meetings every single morning. I would take my two staff members into my office and we'd go over goals or what did we do yesterday? What did we fall short of our goals? How are we going to get them today? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyways, I know it's a lot of business stuff. And this guy, we have security cameras in our office to prevent highly hostile customers. If they threaten us, we have evidence to give to the police to ban them, blah, 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 blah. So we had cameras in the office that recorded audio. Okay. Um, and it was in every office because the office was a little bit kind of weird in how the offices were shaped. So one camera couldn't really hit all the eight of the offices. Okay. Um, so every office has a camera and my boss just pulled footage and he sat me down and said, Russ, I need you this. He said almost close to the same thing. He's like, this is a coaching moment here. This is what so-and-so is saying at the end of his phone calls. It was near the end of the day of yesterday. Okay. He's showing me footage near the end of the day, the day before where my staff member was calling people, welcoming to them to so-and-so's agency. We're here to help you. And the lack of emotion, and he wasn't even saying we had a speech. We actually had it written down that we had to say it. And he wouldn't say it. Or at least he kind of halved it at first and then like would get cut off. Or as soon as they said hello, he would abandon ship and be like, hey, I just want to let you know we're in the area. And that's it. It wasn't, it wasn't at, all, at all what we were hoping for. And so he said this. So this is what my boss encouraged me to do. Now, Again, everyone has a choice. So I want to clarify, I am not a victim. I own this, okay? He suggested, Russ, what I suggest you do is tomorrow's morning meeting, pull your two staff members in and talk about how important these calls are. And then ask your staff member if he's saying the word track, if he's actually saying what we want him to say and wait for him to respond. And right away, I'm like, oh, okay. But again, I'm not being assertive, and I'm a very harsh critic of myself as my boss is saying this. So I'm like, no, I need to do this. This will, this will push me. I, this is important. So he's like, I want you to do that. And then if he says anything other than I'm not doing as good as I can or I definitely don't feel comfortable with the word track or I could use some support, he says, 
pull up this this clip, put it in the background and, and click it and just hit play. Well, fast forward to the next day. We're sitting down. I, again, heart racing. I am nervous. I'm shaking a bit because I know what's going to happen. So I go through my morning meeting, my slideshow a little bit, going over numbers. And then I, I say, now, hey, guys, I want to review these phone calls. We're almost done, but I got to talk to you about them. And I'm just nervous. My, I'm just dying over here. And I say, all right, so so-and-so, how have your calls been so far? Okay, okay, all right. Are you saying what we, we've all agreed to say to these customers to ensure that they're happy, to ensure that they feel welcome and wanted by our agency? Oh, yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, I'm saying it for sure. And I was like, crap. In the back of my mind, I knew it. I was like, wrong answer. I brought it up. I clicked it. And he's a big guy. He's a really nice dude. I'm serious. If he ever listens to this, I want you to know, I know you're a great guy, a great dad. I loved your stories. Again, right? Not personal, just business. But I clicked on the video in the background, brought it up to the front, and hit play and just sit back, sat back. And the audio shows him not saying it. Now, some of you, okay, so anyway, so let, let me continue before I go into you and us, okay, you and me. His posture changed. He's a pretty easygoing guy, very agreeable, very nice, very soft-spoken, actually, if I say so myself. Well, his posture was no longer relaxed, rigid, sat up straight, and his, his eyes locked into the floor, but his back was perfectly straight, shoulders rigid, and then he starts mumbling under his breath. You can't do that. That's not, no, that's, an, that's unacceptable. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to die. This is the day I die today. This is the day I die. This bear of a man who is so agreeable and so nice. See, if I'd just been a pushover, if I hadn't been assertive, if I didn't want to be a leader, this crap wouldn't happen. And he stands up after the meeting. I said, that's, I have to call you out on this. This is, I have to hold you accountable. That's my job as your boss. He was also older than me. Okay. I don't know if that came into play, but definitely I'm sure it didn't help that I was this young man and he's this older guy and he stands up. My boss is in the other office besides because uh, he wanted to give support, but he didn't want to do it. He's a good coach, right? He's like, you take the reins on this. You own this scenario. Learn from it. This guy, my staff member, stands up, doesn't say anything, doesn't even look at me, walks to the next office, shuts the door, and you can hear their voices getting escalated. And then he just quietly opens the door, packs up his things, and leaves. And, my, and then my boss comes in and sits down with my other staff member and I and says, so-and-so has uh, agreed to leave, effective now, immediately. And we'll not be coming back. Blah, blah, blah. That was it. So that's a, lot of, that's a lot of storytelling. Why am I telling you those two stories? Because on in my mind, I'm all about growth, right? I'm all about the self-improvement thing. You've heard me talk about it, right? The passion, the making sure your time isn't wasted, right? We talked about work-life balance, how to push yourself, how to rest, right? We've talked about the duty and the passion, how there's a balance needed. But for me, I absolutely hate confrontation. I absolutely hate having to call people out. And I absolutely hate difficult conversations. I'm sure everyone would agree to it. To, well, everyone to a degree would agree that you hate difficult conversations. But I really struggle with it. It's not personal. It's just business. We've heard that phrase for years. Famous in the movies. The Godfather. And all these other, these other fantastic movies where it's not, just, it's not personal. It's just business. Right? How to separate the personal from the business and vice versa. I have friends who often look at me like I'm crazy when I'm like, oh, I just, I feel bad because so-and-so is doing this. And they're like, why, why are you just walking up to them being like, hey, stop being an idiot. Improve. Well, I can't do that. They're going to hurt their feelings. Who cares? It's not about them. It's about the issue. Put the issue at the forefront. Now, it's funny. I thought about this podcast um, for, for weeks now, obviously, right? Trying to chew on it, trying to see what I wanted to talk to you guys about. And I was really convinced at first that I had really overcome this. And I, I know that I am getting better. I'm all about that trying to grow every single day. But... I still have a really hard time separating the personal from the business. I don't have that ability to just compartmentalize my emotions when I have to tell someone that they're being unacceptable or that their, their standards, they're, they're not holding their, themselves to an acceptable standard. It really bugs me. 
And I'm obviously, I'm married, right? Paul and I have been married almost seven years, I might add. Holy crap, Russell sounds like he's 14. I'm aware that I sound like that, okay? But I, I am a, I've been married for almost seven years. And I've got, I've got a, a spouse and I've got kids. And I still hate even having difficult conversations with them because my kids, for example, I got to be a good parent, right? I got to show them right from wrong. I got to show them the boundaries. But I also, it, it rips my heart out sometimes seeing them cry. When I discipline them, sending them to their room or taking away their toy, it, it breaks my heart sometimes. But it's not personal. It's just business. And I really wanted to, to just put this thing in the middle and say, you guys, this is tough, right? And other people weigh out. That's why I actually did it on my Instagram story a week ago. I said, what do you guys think? Are you always thinking of the person in mind when you have difficult conversations or it's just business, baby? And most of you guys, I believe it was 75% of the poll said, I typically think of the person all the time. No matter what the circumstances, I'm always thinking about the person. I'm not thinking about the issue. So, so by your own admission, this is a real problem that we all have. Now, I'm not arguing in favor of business only. And I'm not arguing in favor of personal only. And yes, the cliche statement, well, it's a balance. It's a balance. Well, hang on here. It's, it all comes back to self-awareness. One person commented on the store today. He said, dude, it's just everyday life. This is just everyday life of people taking things too personally or being too businesslike. It's true, isn't it? On a day-to-day basis, you, you'll see the cashier at the bank teller. Some of them are highly personable, very nice. They want to know about your day. They want to know who you are, blah, 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 blah. And then you get your $20 bill of your cash withdrawal, and you're happy. Other people, you know, are very rigid, robotic. They want to get it done. They have a task to do. Can I just clarify? That is a personality trait. Some people are going to be inherently more likely to approach everything in life or most things in life like a business decision. Well, I'm not trying to be a dick. I'm negotiating a price on Kijiji for a $10 watch. I want to pay $5 for it. My personality is like, it's a $10 watch. You can spare the extra money. Like, don't make it uncomfortable. Whereas my new boss loves negotiating. Heck, he's still trying to teach me how to negotiate. He referenced me this book. Okay, let me know if you've read it. I would love... Okay, here's some participation, okay? When you hear this podcast, let me know if you have read the book Never Split the Difference by Chris Voss. Okay, Never Split the Difference by Chris Voss. He was the former director of negotiations for the FBI. He was also an FBI coach. He is now the, I guess, I don't know, president or one of the main bigwigs at this thing called the Black Swan Group. They teach negotiation tactics for a living. And so he's, so my boss, my new boss is trying to get me on this and try to teach me how to be more assertive, try to teach me not to take it personal. And what the Black Swan Group, what this guy, Chris Voss, he's the author. It is amazing. I've heard a few of his seminars. He says this. Never be so certain of what you want that you wouldn't accept more. Never be so certain of what you want, what you're asking for, that you wouldn't take more if you could. So he's talking about negotiations. Don't give up more information. Let other people set the table for you. What does that have to do with personal and business? I hate negotiation. I'm always thinking in like a code of honor kind of thing. Well, on Kijiji, he said his Game Boy is... $50. He set that price. That's a real human being thinking his Game Boy is $50 worth. I don't really feel like it's right to say, I'll give you 30. That feels like a dick move to me. Whereas my, my wife is like, dude, offer him 20. See what he says. If he gets offended, then offer him 30. And if he gets even more offended, offer him 35 or 40. See what he comes to you. And I can't handle that. I hate that. I get uncomfortable. Now, on the, the questions I asked, I, I said, you know, what are some scenarios that you, you, you take things too personally or too business-like? Okay, here's what some of your, your responses were. So, obviously, the one guy, everyday life. Uh, this one was one of my favorites. Um, and I'm going to quickly bring it up here if my phone loads. Wow, that's not what I wanted to do. Here we go. Okay. So, this is from um, uh, a friend of mine. Uh, said this. I, I, kudos to you if you're listening to this. This is, I think, a really good point. He says this. Sometimes my wife, my wife, tells me I'm businessing, his words, not mine, I'm businessing her with my language and managing style. And then I have to take a breath and switch it off. 
It used to happen a lot, but I've gotten better at recognizing when I'm doing it. So first off, kudos to you because you've even admitted that, yeah, it's out of balance a little bit. And I often, and it's true. I know that what this gentleman does for a living, tons of organization, tons of administration and execution He's go, 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 but you have to be organized. So I can imagine when your wife maybe isn't doing something as efficiently as, you know, it can be done or organized or whatever, you get on the business tone to improve results. That is, that is a cause and effect reaction. It makes sense. Well, she's doing it slow, but if she did it like this, it'd be fast. And then we could all be done this task together faster, right? Everyone wins. Yay. But a lot of people's minds don't think like that. And it's, well, he's just being a jerk. He's bossing me around, and doesn't he know I'm his wife, and blah, blah, right? You know what I mean? I thought that was really cool, and that's a good point. Personal versus business. It's hard to win, because in that case, he leans towards business-like, where I might struggle, and actually, fact is, I know this in my marriage, I struggle to push. And if my wife ever listens to this, she does listen to some of them, okay? She's probably not going to even know that this is here for a while, okay? But when she does listen to this, I know, and she'll admit, she needs to be pushed sometimes. Her personality is an edge pusher. I guess for lack of a better term, she likes to push the boundaries, okay? But she needs someone to not necessarily rein her in, but hold her accountable to being like, no, this is the way it needs to be done. This is the right way to do it. Stop arguing. Let's get her done. That's what she sometimes needs. She's a very strong woman. That's her personality. I am not that. I'm getting better, but I am not that. I am often the, you know what? I'll do it. No problem. I'll, I'll figure it out. I'll fix it or I'll do it. I, I tend to, the, the problem is people can tend to label me along with a lot of you people out there, people pleasers as pushovers. Okay? I think that is unfair to a degree because when our backs are up against the wall, we can actually get really hurtful. We actually hurt to try to get people to back off. Instead of dealing with it in a healthy way, confrontation, airing it out, talking about the issue, not the person, it's kind of ironic how when we get really triggered, the people that are actually all about the personal stuff end up making it personal when they attack you. I'm going to say that again. The people that balance on the side of personal when they get hurt or backed into a corner and you provoke them too much, they always make it personal, especially in their attack. Okay, so I have three other brothers, okay? I'm a so family of four boys, okay? I'm, the, I'm one of the middle boys, all right? My oldest brother can be both an emotional arguer and a logical arguer. Depending on the topic, he will either beat you down with logic and it's tough to fight against him or he'll fight you with emotion. And when he gets triggered emotionally, he fights dirty emotionally. Now, I'm not ratting him out. I'm the exact same way. I'm even more emotional than he is. I'm less logical. So when you back me into a corner, when my insecurities rise, when I'm, I'm failing to address this in a business-like manner, I spit venom, man. I do. Absolutely. I spit venom. My younger brother... Um, Casey, we made fun of him in the previous podcast. I'm Casey. If you're listening to this, maybe eventually we'll have you on the podcast, but I still don't think you're very interesting right now. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I love you. Casey, incredibly logical. fact is that's most of the way he argues. And it's not even argue. He would call it debate, have a informed discussion. I hate talking to that dude about something I disagree with him on because he always carefully forms his, his, his opinions and his criticisms, and when you when he says them, you get angrier, especially if you're an emotional guy like me, because it makes sense. He's actually thought about it. And then my youngest brother uh, can be both, again, uh, very emotional um, and sometimes, but then also logical in others. But I would say emotional guy like me. Okay, Lyndon, you guys heard him uh, two weeks ago. He really enjoyed his podcast. Please let him know. Lyndon the Barber on Instagram, fantastic guy. Let him know. He liked his podcast. This is life. This is life, and I, I feel to encourage you guys, you know, I don't know if we're going to go in closing or whatever. I feel like all I've done is tell you guys a story and then at the end kind of taper it off. But, hey, this is the Russ Rants Podcast. I'm Russ. I'm happy to be talking to you guys. This is a tough situation where self-awareness really makes the day. And I'm sure that most of the topics I'm going to talk about are going to be about self-awareness. But just my – that. My friend, that guy that messaged on Instagram and responded back, he said, sometimes my wife tells me openly I'm businessing her with my language 
and managing style. He separates it. Language, how I talk, my tone, and managing style. How I'm directing things, how I'm moving things forward. And then I have to, this mature, props to you, man. Again, I then have to take a breath and switch it off. It used to happen a lot, but I've gotten better at recognizing when I'm doing it. He is his own victor. He doesn't need anyone else to tell him. He wins. And he will continue to win if he continues to sit back and say, breathe for a moment. Is this a scenario where personal takes the day and should be addressed? Because here's the deal. Here's the deal. Everyone can just justify, just like I did, especially with a shift leader, bootlegger, and uh, the, the agency manager with my other, my other job in the insurance industry, that business is better. Right. If you can turn off your emotion and execute a task without getting feelings involved, you'll more often than not win. I should camp here for a moment. More often than not, you will win because your emotions are going to get hurt. You're not going to get hurt and you'll ultimately win because you're not taking it personal. Even if you don't win, it's still a logical decision. Can I be real with you guys? Emotional people, when in the right frame of mind to be assertive, can be molded. Because they are still condemning themselves or they're emotionally drawn towards making things better. And sometimes that means to please people, like I was, right? My, my assistant manager and manager at, the, at Bootlegger. To please people because I'm an emotional guy, I want self-improvement. So I try to be more business-like for them. You catching on? That wasn't self-motivation. I need to be more business-like. I wanted them to shut up about Brianna. So I tried to be more business-like. You business-minded people have to work on empathy. I, I feel sorry for you sometimes because life can be easier business-minded. You get stuff done quicker. Feelings don't matter. You can step over people accidentally, but it doesn't matter. You can fire people. It's not personal. It's just business. You can haggle with anyone on Kijiji or for a house or for a car. You get deals. You get discounts. I'm the guy overpaying because I want to honor the great job the salesman did at the dealership. That's my personality. You're the opposite. You're grinding him down. Even when he's already not going to make any commission off of this, you get the satisfaction of knowing you made a good business deal. It's not personal. It's just business. I encourage you, take a step back. Take a breath. Seriously. Take a step back. Take a breath. Like this gentleman said on Instagram. And assess. And say, is this a scenario where I need to lead with my heart or lead with my head? Because we're all going to suck. We're all sucking. We are. It's, it's all going to suck. Uh, some days are going to be really poor. Because even though you know not to take it personally, it's still going to hurt your heart. I will, you know, everyone knows that. You can raise your hand and be like, I'm aware. No, you can even tell yourself going into a conversation, it's not personal, it's just business. It's not personal, it's just business. You can walk on in and you'll still leave feeling like you just got shredded because your heart wasn't always meant to take it. It's not your default. Whereas other people can leave a conversation feeling like that both sides are in total agreement, we've won, everyone's on board, and yet the other person's totally dejected and ruined, and you've just destroyed someone, you don't even know it. You see the two extremes? You gotta take a breath. Another person commented, I feel like every word you speak nowadays can be taken personally. Yes. And I know a lot of people out there, it's not justified, but a lot of people out there are like, well, yeah, well, this is life. You know, be you. Be the best you can be. Be yourself. That's not the other person's problem. Yes and no. The only way you can improve the atmosphere around you is by being the change you want to see in the world. I don't remember who quoted that. It was not me. Be the change you want to see in the world. I'm not trying to make it all serious at the end here, but I want to give you value for the week. How can you stop taking things so personal? Or how can you stop treating everything like a business transaction? It's an important question to ask. I can't answer it for you. Only you can do that. But I can paint a stupid picture of me trying to write someone up. And I can paint a stupid picture of a young agency manager kind of making a guy quit because I was a total dick. I actually texted that guy back, by the way. Months later, I still had his phone number. Um, uh, Everyone in the office, most of the people, um, very business-minded 
in those agencies, very successful, uh, told me to flush it. It was a business move. I didn't fire him because, you know, he didn't, I didn't fire him. He quit. But, you know, I didn't do that move because I was trying to personally hurt him. It just, I was calling him out on something, right? It was that simple. I was very conflicted about it because I didn't totally feel right doing it with my other staff member in the room, like with a witness. It felt kind of disrespectful. And I felt guilty about that. I really did. So some of you in the more business-like category might laugh. I I texted him and apologized. I said, I don't apologize for, uh, well, I just said, I apologize for doing it in an inappropriate way and not sitting him down man-to-man saying, this is what I've observed. This is what I see. And here's the evidence. I need to hear it from you what's going on because this isn't acceptable. That would have been the right way to approach it. That would have been your heart and your head evenly balanced going into a conversation. But I didn't. I accidentally hit him like a battering ram in a, in a dick business move because I was so eager to please my boss. And he knows this. We've talked about this. So that's it. I, I don't, I, time flies sometimes. And yes, I'm back. We're going to actually, really quick, um, so chew on that. I'm such a pinball today, you guys. My gosh, I've had way too much caffeine or something. Chew on those thoughts. Let me know. Yes, before I segue, let me know your thoughts. You can message me at russrantsreal at gmail.com. That's R-U-S-S-R-A-N-T-Z real, R-E-A-L, at gmail.com. You can email me any stories, comments. You can find me on Instagram at russrants or on Twitter, russrants1. Let me know. Why? Because I love hearing from you. I absolutely love hearing from you. Every single time, it is a joy to hear comments. It is a joy to hear your thoughts. It is a joy to just even say, hey, I just started your podcast. I didn't know you were a tap dancer. Do you know how many people have done that over the last few weeks? It's hilarious. They're like, I didn't even know you did a podcast. I just heard your first one. You were a tap dancer? And I'm like, oh, man. Like, I don't have tons of episodes. This is episode, I think, 16. But it's fun to be like, oh, man. I'm 16 episodes in of my podcast. It's pretty dang cool. So I love hearing from you. Comment. Let me know. What do you feel? Do you like taking things personally only? Do you like doing things business-like only? Have there been situations where you actually have found out that business is better most of the time? I'm happy to be logically argued against. I'm probably not going to fight back. But I don't mind if you have to do it. And I don't mind if you get emotional. You can tell me to piss off or that that was stupid. Or if you were someone in these stories and I, you know, you know that you're angry at me. Well, hey, let me have it. Um... But exciting stuff. Uh, future announcements here. We are working on a couple of guests coming up. And I, I'm going to tell you, one of these guests is out of left field. I can't wait to introduce you to him. Um, I can't spoil much because it's not official. And uh, we haven't totally fully booked yet yet. But we are in talks. But it's a big deal. And I, I, you're going to know it when you see it. And I will introduce him as such. Um, but really good stuff happening. Thank you so much. If there's a show idea or if there's a concept you want me to chew on or go on uh, uh, a Russ rants about, let me know. Again, you already know where to write, reach me. Let me know some topics that you would like me to touch on, um, anything else. So thank you so much, as always, for listening to the Russ Rants podcast. My name is Russ. Have a great week. I look forward to talking to you guys next time. Take care. Thank you for listening to this latest episode of Russ Rants. It has been a pleasure. You can find us on any major podcast platform. Please feel free to subscribe to support. And you can find me on Twitter at Russ Rants number one, Instagram, which is Russ Rants, and email, which is russrantsreal at gmail.com. I look forward to seeing you guys next time. Take care.